Welcome back. One of the most important weapons in America's military arsenal is the nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. The USS Ronald Reagan is a case in point. It, like others of its class, is considered one of the most complicated feats of engineering in the world. We can all get a close-up, behind-the-scenes look at the Reagan starting this week at the St. Louis Science Center when the film Aircraft Carrier, Guardian of the Seas opens at the Omnimax Theater. I had a chance to sit down yesterday with Mark Krenzine, the film's producer. Because there is so much classified information about the ship and its capabilities, I began by asking him how they managed to get permission to go aboard and film. Well, uh, the ship has its restricted areas, and particularly some of the aircraft is so cutting edge. So I would say um, the single major achievement from a producer's point of view was us getting permission to be many places, but in particular to be able to film and land our helicopter on the deck of an aircraft carrier during flight operations. I don't think that had ever been done before. That's uh, an experience in and of itself. I've had it, not with a helicopter, but landing on what they call the postage postage stamp uh, in the sea. It's it's kind of mind-boggling. Yes, it is. Interestingly enough, um, although we filmed some on the aircraft carriers in port, when we filmed at sea, we were flown out as a film crew. Yeah. You don't leave from port, so you have to go through orientation, and they call them uh, carrier on board delivery flights, and you are launched and trapped on the aircraft and then catapulted off. <laughs> you were doing this filming during an exercise, which I had not have heard of before. Rim pack, is that the... Yes, yeah. rim of the Pacific, yes. Yeah. What was that all about? I mean, China was uh, was involved in yes. this. Yes, well, rim of the Pacific is a... Um, is a uh, every four years, a, an exercise held in the Pacific of Pacific Rim Cooperative Countries. And in, indeed, China was there... Um, it is the largest naval exercise held, and the idea is that uh, the nations that have any kind of a workable relationship want to come together and coordinate how they use their navies. Uh, again, one of the major points the film makes is at this point, our, our navy and the navies of the world are so powerful, um, the best case scenario is to not use them for their ultimate uh, power. Mm -hmm. And the way this is best avoided is to cooperate. So yes, we use the RIMPAC exercise as kind of the giant net to hold the whole story because the aircraft carrier is at the center of that exercise. It certainly was impressive to see all those ships uh, together uh, out in the middle of the ocean. 22 nations, 55 ships, uh, yeah. Well, the, as you say, the central character in your film is the, is the aircraft carrier, although there are some other elements uh, too. Tell us a little bit about this thing. This is quite a piece of machinery. Well, uh, yes, I think yeah, you could say it's among the most complex uh, objects built by man. Uh, there is even a new Ford class being built as we speak, the first of those. But the aircraft carrier uh, is, of course, uh, the flagship of any Navy, and it is the flagship of a naval exercise. In fact, the, most of the naval ships uh, operate in support of aircraft carriers. Um, it has a crew of almost 6,000 people. They are now nuclear-powered. They only need to stop to refuel every 20 years. <laughs> the captain, you could say, is the mayor of a major city. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's quite a fascinating place to be. Um, it's stratified by rank. Uh, there are many places uh, the crew members don't typically get to go to the bridge and places we were allowed to go. But one of the things that struck us the most was what a diverse workplace it is. 
how men and women are working side by side. That struck me too. In almost every scene, uh, there was a female uh, counterpart to a male doing the same work, uh, moving uh, ammunition around and bombs and rockets and all the rest of it, and, and, and also women in great authority there. Absolutely. The highest-ranking officer in our film uh, is um, Admiral Franchetti. She's the, the Admiral of the Pacific. So uh, she was running the show at RIMPAC in particular. But yes, you'll see on, uh, sometimes the deck crew is headed by a woman. And these are young uh, teenagers and, and others that are working in what is clearly one of the most dangerous work environments in uh, anywhere. And you see the support. There's, for example, always a fire rescue team out whenever there are flight operations handling. And we, as filming on deck, you could stand when one catapult was being used, you could stand on one side of a line, and when the next jet was ready, there would be somebody there grabbing us by the collar to move us as little as five feet away to be safe. I, I spent some time on the Stennis mm-hmm. uh, when it was a new ship, an aircraft carrier, of course. And I was told at that time by people there that the flight deck of an aircraft carrier is the most dangerous place on earth uh, yes, I've, I've told that. I've been told that. It's also uh, as rough as an alligator's hide. Uh, there are very strict requirements. You have to have double ear protection, earplugs, ear muffs. You can have to have long sleeve garb. The deck is so rough that if you were blown over to trip, it's like landing on really rough sandpaper. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows where they need to be and 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 um, where they can't go. And needless to say, when we as a film crew were on deck, there were people watching us very closely. And as I say, if you stepped one foot too close, there was someone there to say, step back. One of the things that impressed me also is the fact that this is such a complex operation and so big involving so many people that the crew in many cases are color-coded. Yes, they in fact uh, are pretty much, they need to be able to see what each other is doing very easily. The, the shooters, as they're called, the people launching the aircraft, for example, are wearing yellow. The people fueling the aircraft wear purple. Um, uh, mo- much communication happens by hand signal because it is so loud and noisy it wouldn't even matter if you had radio communications. Mm-hmm. And going back to the, the danger of the flight deck, uh, another scene that impressed me was uh, it looked like maybe a hundred or two people walking along the flight deck before planes were taking off to see if there was any debris as small as a nut or a bolt which could kill a pilot or dismantle a plane, Absolutely. disable that's, a plane. That's a classic walk. It's called the FOD walk. And uh, the crew members will line up across the deck and walk very slowly down looking for tiny things, this, the, the, a, a tiny screw, a, a little bit of metal because they could be ingested into an engine. And yes, game over. And, and that, uh, if that's happening when the plane is taking off, as you say, game definitely is over. Yes, absolutely. No, it's an, an incredibly coordinated uh, event. And of course, just as much is going on below decks uh, as flight as air, aircraft is being launched. And I think people need to understand flight operations are done on a very tight schedule. The, the goal is to get aircraft into the air very quickly in a short period of time, then they can protect the aircraft carrier. And by the same token, mm-hmm. when the flight operations are over, to get them back on the aircraft quickly. Which is more dangerous, do you think, landing or taking off? Well, the pilots would consider landing a fighter jet on an aircraft carrier at night in bad weather is the absolutely most difficult and dangerous um, piece of aviation in the world. And I don't think anyone would disagree. Another fascinating part of the whole operation is the, are these catapults and the, the means by which they are given their propulsion. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting that the... Um, 
uh, both the catapulting and the launching. It's uh, the, the current use. Uh, the current aircraft carriers use steam power to launch. There, there will be uh, what's termed maglev, magnetic propulsion, in the coming ones. But these are very robust, very reliable, and there are four catapults on board, so they can launch. Bing, 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 bing. They, they are launching, and uh, aircraft can land and launch very close to one another. It's amazing how much they can squeeze into that deck. It really is. Another keen and cool element of your film is the animation. Uh, Obviously, a lot of things you couldn't show without animation, but on the Omnimax screen, this is going to be tremendous. Yes, we had some very clever animators designing our CGI, our computer-generated images, so we literally get to fly inside the aircraft and see what the nuclear power looks like, to see how the catapult system works, and to see, again, how the uh, the trap, the arresting cables work. Mm Um, and the whole engine power it's uh, yeah it's a it's a <laughs> a big enterprise and i think you get a glimpse to the engineering that goes into the whole project how how long did it take you to make this film well the rimpec exercise was filmed almost 2 years before we filmed the rest of it it uh, it took that long to gain this permission to land mm-hmm. on an aircraft carrier also one of the other things the film uh, explicates uh, pretty well is the modern F35 stealth fighter jet as yeah. well as the F18s that are in use so it took a lot of time to determine what we could and couldn't show. You know, this is a frontline uh, carrier, and there's a lot of this stuff is at what we call export-controlled. So mm-hmm. we would design some animation and show it to the Navy and say, is this okay? Are we giving away secrets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, they sure didn't want any of that. That's, well, that's one of the reasons we had to, of course, do a lot of it by animation. We put cameras in the cockpits of many yeah. of the aircraft, but anything you see in the F-35, the newest one, yeah. was generated by us because we weren't allowed to put cameras inside that latest the, the cameras in the cockpits uh, really showed how the, the, the pilots are bounced around uh, coming in and going out. Absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting fact that when the planes touch down, uh, they hit full power. In case they don't catch that cable, then they can go around. So, yeah. so uh, it's, it seems counterintuitive that you would land and push the throttle. How, how much space do they actually have uh, to take off and land? Oh, I used to remember how many yards it was. It's it's uh, two and a half seconds from zero to 130 knots or whatever it is to the, the launch speed. And again, what's interesting is you'll see in the flight sequence, the pilots have their hand up on a handle in the cockpit because the shooter wants to see that their hand is mm-hmm. not on the throttle, that they do not want to be controlling the aircraft while the catapult is launching it. And the instant the wheels leave, you'll see the pilot grab the throttle. But until then, he's along for the ride. Also also interesting, the way when they do land, uh, the process by which that happens, there was always someone bringing him in or her in who was a pilot. Yes. That, yes. Uh, among the, the most uh, important relationships is between the pilot and the LSO, the landing safety officer, mm-hmm. and they stand uh, adjacent on the fan tail. And so it's a pilot talking to another pilot, uh, guiding him in as they're watching the sequence of lights to make sure they're there. And that gives a, um, the landing pilot a lot of confidence that who is talking to him is someone that knows the operation. How much punch do these vessels carry? Well, uh, some of that is uh, they're coy about telling us how much, but they they can very well protect themselves. Uh, And, of course, then the rest of the protection comes when you see the 40 ships that are surrounding uh, where the real uh, power comes from that are surrounding the aircraft carrier. Um, 
there, the other thing about aircraft carriers is they have such standoff ability. They put these Hawkeye aircraft in the air, and it's you know it's a chunk of our nation out in the ocean that sees for a couple hundred miles around it. Mm-hmm. It knows exactly what's going on. So nobody gets near an aircraft carrier without um, the ship's captain knowing what it is and who it is. But in terms of firepower, what is what I mean by punch? I mean they've got an awful lot. Yes. Uh, conventional, nuclear, it's all on board during exercises and during um, actual deployments. Uh, and these ships don't go out for a weekend. A typical deployment mm-hmm. is six to eight months away from its home port. And, and you point out in the film, uh, thanks to the service of those people who man these things for being away from families for that much uh, time. Mark, another thing that impressed me about the film, and it, it's, it's almost scary, and that is technology, 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 all state-of-the-art stuff. I mean, I had the impression that one of these days, we're not going to have to put people in these devices. We'll just, you know, wind them up and send them out on their own. Well, I, certainly that's the direction things are going. I, I, some people have speculated that the F-35 may be the last manned fighter jet. Uh, certainly machines can withstand greater G-forces and changings of direction than a human being could. Um, and we're already, of course, flying drones remotely. Yeah. So, yeah, technology certainly moves uh, in our military as fast as anywhere else. Um, and But on the other hand, the decisions that an aircraft can make, and even you'll see in the sequences with the F-35, the way these jets talk to each other, the combination of human um, intelligence and artificial intelligence still does a pretty remarkable job. It does, and it's scary in a sense because you wonder if uh, we get to that point, if that's going to make war more or less likely. If we're not sending real people out there, it may just make it more likely. Uh, well, it's in, indeed we are at a very interesting place in, uh, in terms of AI. Um, so much There's being so much written even just this month about where it's going and how much control we will actually have over where it goes. Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting uh, thoughts about that. Where it goes and what it might do to us mm-hmm. uh, as individuals. This is all pointed out very nicely, too, again in the film, because you have some historic film. The Midway the, and the battle there, which was so uh, decisive in, in, in World War II, and others as well. It really puts into perspective what the technology has done over the last 70 years or so. Yes, there are a lot of um, important um, turning points in history that had a lot to do with naval technology and naval mm-hmm. warfare. Uh, certainly um, before World War II, giant battleships were thought to be the answer. And when they were so readily sunk, um, it was quite clear they weren't the answer. Mm-hmm. So, yes, um, as they had always been among the most complex things built by man, they have been, uh, as I say, at some of the watermarks of history. I spent a week on the battleship Missouri during its last voyage and thinking that that was basically the end of the battleship because Mm -hmm. they were no longer really useful given all the other things that we've been talking about. What got you and your team uh, involved in this project? Well, the director, Stephen Lowe, uh, has always been both a fan of history and I think um, we made a film some years earlier called Rescue about rescue missions performed on a daily basis by militaries all around the world, but in particular the U.S. uh, military. And that gave us a a kind of a deep appreciation for the daily ritual of, uh, I mean, the 
the American military fly, flies more missions every day to rescue for rescue and humanitarian reasons than they do for military purposes. And that kind of stuck with us. Uh, and I think we had from that film project and others developed a relationship um, with the Navy film liaison. And so when we wanted to tell a bigger story of uh, what's going on in the modern Navy, uh, we had some, uh, let's put it this way, they understood that we were uh, reliable and that we wouldn't uh, get in the way of flight operations. That mm. was quite important to them. They told us very clearly that if our, air, if our helicopter, our filming helicopter was on board during flight ops and in a dangerous place, they would let us get out and push it into the ocean. <laughs> so, That's a comforting thought, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So we made sure we were uh, refueling and changing film when there weren't uh, jets in the way. But When all is said and done, what is the, the most vivid memory you have of this whole project? Well, it, it was very clear. Um, making these giant screen Omnimax, IMAX um, institutional documentaries is, truly takes you to some fascinating places. But after being on board the Reagan for a week, we were coming back to L.A. from San Diego in a, in a van with the, the director of photography and the key grip and people that I've been with and mountaintops and jungles. And they said, you know, we want to thank you for being involved in this project. This was among the most interesting places we have ever been. And these are people that have seen a lot of fascinating places. And I had to realize, again, just the diversity and the high danger and the way people executed. It really was an example for how workplaces everywhere (laughs) could work. Yeah. Well, it's all reflected in the film Aircraft Carrier, Guardian of the Seas. It's a wonderful film. Thank you. Mark Krenzine, producer of Aircraft Carrier, Guardian of the Seas, opens this weekend at the Science Center on the Max Theater.